bless you, bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord and in the presence of the Lord. What a what a wonderful presence of God this morning. We are glad you're here. We had a great time in Sunday school hour. If you didn't make it Sunday school, you should make it back. If you're trying to come back, I see some of you are making it back little by little. We're still kind of trying to keep in touch with those who are still uh, uh, kind of um, vulnerable to the sickness or to the virus or things like that. So, so you keep patient, keep praying for them. But um, I praise the Lord for his goodness and and uh you know if you watch too much news you can get alarmed i said if you watch too much news you can just downright get depressed but um if you're going to church and reading your bible more than you're watching the news and being worried you should be all right amen and so don't let the enemy steal your joy you can have faith in the middle of such a wicked and perverted generation you can still have faith amen Amen. We're so happy you're here, and we want to uh, to turn this over to Brother Rojack. Phil and Kim Rojack are, are um, they're just more than our missionaries to Papua New Guinea. They were missionaries for 12 years over in Vanuatu, and uh, that's where the Julians just recently served, David and them. And now, after uh, many years there, they went to uh, Papua New Guinea, and they served two terms, eight years and 20 years already, and going back for another term in Papua New Guinea. Hopefully, Julians will be there soon to be with you, and I think they're in the video we're about to show too, right? David and, and Amy, we're proud, uh, we're proud Oak Grove to, uh, to uh, you know, we have missionaries that come to visit us often, often, and, uh, and I'm not afraid or ashamed to say it. We love missionaries. We love missionaries. They're our friends. They are our partners. They extend our arm of ministry out to the other parts of the, of the earth, and we're thankful for that. And uh, just this week, I was walked in, in the hallway of missions and asked Chrissy and Miss Carol, how many missionaries do we have? At last count, we're about 70 and counting. Would somebody give the Lord praise for that? That helps us. That's help us. That's part of our team. So, so when people come to visit Oak Grove, they want to see the church. I say, well, hey, you have to go around the world to see Oak Grove. Because our imprint is all over this world. And so, and so we're thankful that whenever Brother... Um, uh, Alan Johnson came and needed help. The Nichols went his way to Thailand. And, and when the when when the Rojacks came and needed help, the Julians went on that way. And then when Brian Webb came, there goes. Uh, I tell you what, it may be dangerous to have missionaries. Anybody packed up and ready to go? I'll see if I can get another missionary. <laughs> but it's not like we're losing. How many know we're actually gaining? We're gaining. And so praise the Lord, we're extending ourselves around the world. So, uh, Pastor Field's going to come. He's more than a missionary. He's, he's our friend. Him and Kim have been friends here. They've been members here since 2007, I think something like that, part of our church family, and we love that. And they're confidants to us, friends to us, and they've they got a quick video they're going to share. He's, this is it. This is the, They're heading back to uh, Papua New Guinea, 1st of October. This is the last time for them to be able to be with us. They have other, a couple of other churches to be with. So we gave him our time on prime time Sunday morning. Not everybody gets Sunday morning, right? That's favor. And so uh, so we're going to interrupt our scheduled program to give it to the Rojacks. <laughs> because the Holy Ghost is the one in charge of this church, not me. And so I believe God's got a word for us today. Pastor Phil's going to preach. But I will show this quick video before he comes. Hello. Welcome to Outermost PNG. We are Phil and Kim Rojack. We say PNG, that is Papua New Guinea, an island nation in the South Pacific. We say uttermost PNG because the islands of the Pacific are literally the uttermost parts of the earth from the birth of the church in Jerusalem. But we also like to say uttermost because it describes the extreme conditions of Papua New Guinea. We have extreme terrain, mountains, valleys, and vast coastlands. We have extreme roads. We have extreme rivers. We have extreme people, 800 tribes, 8 million people. Hebrews 7.25 speaks of Jesus' ability to save to the uttermost those who come to him. To reach people in Papua New Guinea requires people who are willing to go to the uttermost places to reach people living in the uttermost circumstances. Much gospel light has come to Papua New Guinea. Missions of many kinds abound. Energetic and passionate believers can be found throughout Papua New Guinea. But the harvest of souls is not complete. 
and underreached villages need evangelists and church planters. People are still bound and influenced by the fear of the spiritual realm, sorcery and tradition. Tribal fighting is rampant and payback killings are frequent. In 2010, the Assemblies of God World Missions came alongside the Assemblies of God of Papua New Guinea to assist in fulfilling the great commission of reaching the lost and discipling the found. The task is large as we are talking about a combined landmass the size of the state of California. It has been our prayer and our area directors, Brian and Renee Fetzer prayers, that God would raise up 25 missionary units to serve this vast country five missionary families serving in each one of the five regions of the Assemblies of God. The results can be exponential. Areas that are identified as key ministry areas are evangelism and church planting, pastoral development, children's ministry, next-gen youth, and to this we add Teen Challenge and health and community development. God has blessed us with two new families to join us in opening up this new field for the Assemblies of God World Mission. The Anders family will be focusing on evangelism and church planting, and the Julian family will work in the area of health and community development. We will continue to serve in various capacity as a missionary at large, but to that we add the hat of missionary mentors. We believe God is giving us a team that will complement the efforts of our local leaders and pastors and build God's church in PNG. Please prayerfully consider partnering with us by your prayers and monthly support in reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. Good morning, Oak Grove. It is wonderful to be here with you. We consider you one of our home churches where he was saved, his home church, my home church, and you are our home church. And we appreciate you and we thank you so much for how you've stood behind us, not just in financial support, but I know many people are praying for us and holding us up that God would help us and lead us and guide us as we go and do what he's called us to do. You know, this morning, as we look around in our communities, we look around in Springfield, we look around all over the United States and even into the world, we see that the harvest of souls is not complete. And we're so thankful that we get to be a part of that in PNG. We're thankful for the giving that you give to Light for the Lost. That has enabled us to buy tens of thousands of tracts to pass out in evangelism, to give to our pastors to use, to take to our Bible schools, to train our pastors there in evangelism and how to use tracts in that ministry. So thank you so much for being a part of that. One of the uh, exciting things that we get to do in, in Papua New Guinea is to train workers for the harvest. You know, our great need is for church planters, as I said uh, in the video. But, you know, if you plant a church, you got to have a pastor. Amen. And uh, we're blessed in Papua New Guinea to have five Bible colleges. Uh, at any given time, we have about 150 students uh, enrolled in those Bible schools each year. And so that means that the Lord is calling individuals, they're answering that call, they're coming for training, they're preparing for the work of God, and they're going out and doing the work of the ministry. One of the things that we're blessed to be able to do is to see on Facebook the activities that are taking place even in our absence from the church and our Bible school students going out to remote places and already preaching the gospel. So we're really excited about the continued work of the Bible school ministry, and also just being able to equip our pastors as well. Uh, one of the things we were blessed with was 2,000 uh, copies of the Fire Bible. Uh, many of our pastors don't have any library whatsoever, and we were able to plant, uh, put those Bibles with those pastors uh, so that not only do they have a Bible, but they also have a, a library within that Bible that already has a great amount of sermons that they can preach to their congregation. So we're really excited about that. Uh, one of the things we were able to do during this last term um, was to resource our Bible schools with libraries as well. And uh, we had several in the church here participate. It's a little dangerous to, to write the names down for fear that I might have left somebody off here. Um, but uh, just recently, and uh, before, the last time we go, Harold Cole, in uh, moving out of his house, invited us to come over. And, and uh, I was able to go over there and harvest uh, quite a few books and notes that he has. 
Uh, also in the past, we've had uh, Wanda Stamey also during this last uh, furlough uh, provide us. Her husband passed away, and uh, she was also moving, and she said, please come help yourself. Uh, Sister Heisterman gave us a call to come by, and uh, we picked up several books from her as well. Uh, we also have Sister Marilyn has blessed us as well as uh, Kathy Short. And if I missed you, you can come and tell me after church and say, you forgot about me, but we had so many people bless this uh, project, and what a blessing it was just to uh, really revamp our, our core library within our main four-year Bible school and our three-year Bible schools, which had really no library whatsoever. Now we can say they have libraries. They're not very large, but they're helpful, and so we're really thankful. So we really look forward to investing more time into our pastors and resourcing them, especially our pastors that are already doing a work for God, but uh, they desire continuing education. They call them refresher courses. Uh, we went to one place and we did a refresher course on, on hermeneutics. They actually let the students come in, uh, let the pastors, I should say, come into the Bible school and be a part of the class. And at the end, they let those pastors stand up and testify. And they said, we've been promised, we've been promised, we've been promised refresher courses. And finally, we have had a refresher course. And they were really excited that they, you know, got some tips on how to study God's word and better prepare their sermons. Pray for our Bible school ministry in Papua New Guinea. We are so happy this morning to stand before you and tell you thank you for your giving to BGMC. It is such a blessing to missionaries all over the world. And just a few of the ways we've been able to utilize those resources, we've been able to purchase two photocopiers for Bible schools already. We had a project this time around, have raised money to go back and purchase two more photocopiers for about other Bible schools. Uh, we've been blessed with a high-speed duplicator, which has enabled us to start printing some resources. Uh, the first thing that we printed was Sunday school teacher books, 1,200 of those Sent those out to the highways and byways of Papua New Guinea and very excited to hear about results of what that's bringing in our churches and discipling our children. And then also we were able to, um, lost my train of thought, sorry. But we do appreciate you so much and for your giving to BGMC. Sometimes you might wonder, well, what is this money used for? Where is it going? Let me tell you. It's being used all over the world for many, many things, and it is a huge resource for missionaries. As you can kind of see, we're going along with the five key areas in, in video uh, because we're looking for, uh, I often say, 22 missionary families yet because the goal is 25, and we have three now. But I'm 62 years old, so I'm kind of getting up there in years. So I'm telling people, pay, pray for 23 missionary families because I'm not sure how much longer we'll be out there. We've always said we're there until God says, come home. You know, friends are asking, family are asking, is this the last time? Is this the last time? And, and, and I like to think that, yes, maybe it is, but I really don't know for sure. So we just are approaching it like we're there forever or until Jesus comes. Amen. And uh, so the fourth area that, and this is really a critical need, is the area of uh, youth ministry. And uh, we really need a missionary to come to focus on youth ministry. We have uh, great youth programs going already in the Assemblies of God. Uh, they regularly have youth camps, and uh, they're well attended. The first youth camp that we attended actually had over 2,000 young people that attended that first camp, and, and many were touched in a very special way. And those youth camp continues, as I uh, noticed on Facebook. Uh, but we would really like to have someone come alongside those youth pastors that are faithfully doing what God has called them to do, and also equip them enable them. Uh, one of the things we see about the Papua New Guinea churches, they're very energetic, but they lack resources. And that's one of the things that we can do. And like my wife says, Light for the Lost, BGMC, other type of ministries that we can come alongside them and just begin to resource them and meet some of those air needs. And so one of the things that we're doing now is uh, in the, during this last term in 2016, uh, Jim Lowens, who is the Asia-Pacific rep for Global Team Challenge, came and presented that ministry. And uh, in the presentation of that ministry, God strategically allowed me to meet a man that was already doing the work of, uh, of uh, you know, recovery, addiction recovery, uh, working with uh, men in his area. And, uh, and now we have come alongside of him to establish him as the first uh, global team challenge in Papua New Guinea. 
And we're really excited about that. We've been able to go to a center uh, numerous times to do devotion, to present challenges to those men. Uh, but it's a difficult area of ministry in Papua New Guinea uh, because they took us to one of the villages nearby where, you know, the men, they come in just for a day program. And when they go home, they have marijuana growing right there in their village. You know, can you imagine being an addict to marijuana and uh, all you have to do is just kind of trim some of those leaves off and let them dry out for a while and then, you know, then you get your high. They're going back to their peers where, you know, they're partying and doing things like that. And uh, so what we're doing now is we're moving this teen challenge toward a residential program. Uh, the Lord has already blessed us with about $25,000. Uh, we've also purchased a ground that we're waiting for that last title so that we can move forward uh, with the building and turn it into, I think, probably going to be the first ever drug and alcohol rehabilitation center in Papua New Guinea that's residential. And so we're excited about that. And so during our next term, it's our goal also to establish a second one within one of our Assemblies of God churches. So pray that becomes a reality. And to tell you how important it is or what some of the fruit of that is, is two of his graduates from the day program, they, they got saved and they got called into the ministry. They went to Bible school and now they're in pastoral ministry. And we believe God can multiply that through the Teen Challenge program. So thank you for helping us to be there and to be a resource to them. We believe that health and community development is going to be able to open some doors to areas that may have been resistant to the gospel or have never yet been reached. And we're so excited about uh, Amy and David Julian coming and for what God is going to do through their lives there in Papua New Guinea. Uh, we've been involved a little bit in health and community development. We've been teaching on HIV AIDS education. Uh, when we had earthquake in 2012, 2018, uh, major earthquake 7.3, just about 100 kilometers from us, all the water resources were contaminated. So Convoy of Hope contacted us, sent resources for us to be able to have water tanks purchased, to be put at our churches so that they begin catching the water to bring clean water resources into the area. So many of these areas of need that can be touched with health and community development. David is trained in um, clean water initiatives, and I know that's going to be a key area for them to open up doors and opportunities for those who see them coming. And they're going to see them coming, and they're probably going to ask some questions like, well, why did you come? Why did you leave your families? We know you have nice places, nice homes alone. At home, why did you come? And they can say, because the love of Christ compels us to come and to be here and to do these things with you and teach you. And then, you know, that'll open up the door of their heart to those spiritual needs that they have also. So thank you for being a part of our ministry in Papua New Guinea. We believe it's not us. It's a partnership between our churches here in the United States financially, but also with your prayer backing is vital to our ministry. Thank you for coming alongside us. We have a table out there. If you like to come by and get a new prayer card. I know some of you have the old ones. If you have new prayer cards available. Please come grab them. Uh, we need your prayers. We have uh, some resources there. There's a Worldview magazine that was produced a few years ago that gives you just a little better picture of uh, what PNG is like. And, and we'll be there if you have questions. We're happy to answer them. So it is a blessing to be back and uh, just to be able to share. Not sure, Pastor, this will be our last visit to the church. I mean, we like to come back as just a, a member once again and hear your preaching. Amen. And uh, your sermon this morning, I, I was thinking, man, I, I think I'm right on target for the message this morning because I think it kind of goes right along with what uh, Pastor is, uh, is, uh, was talking about this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please go with me to Psalm 110, Book of Psalms 110. Praise the Lord. I enjoy preaching. I tell people I, I can preach evangelistically, but I'm not an evangelist. Amen. And uh, in other words, I love preaching. And uh, it's one of my favorite ministries in, in Papua New Guinea is to be able to go out to our churches, especially on Sunday, and just to be able to preach in those churches. And, you know, folks, it's really a, a great blessing to the churches there. Uh, when we come, not because it's Phil and not because it's Kim Rojack or, or anything like that. But, you know, when the missionaries come to their churches, a lot of our pastors, you know, they don't feel 
validated or maybe that their work isn't important. And, and when we come and we just affirm their, them in their work, we praise them for what God is doing through them. And yes, they may be under-resourced, but you know what? They're doing the best they can with what God has given them. Amen? And, uh, and we have a lot of great churches in Papua New Guinea. We have, you know, over a thousand churches there. Our membership is, is close to 150,000. And, uh, we believe though that God wants more churches, more souls saved and brought into the kingdom of God. Uh, the nation was, many people would say, well, that's very, very Christianized already. And in some ways, uh, it is, but there's still so many pockets of darkness, uh, that need to be reached. And so we're really excited to see what God is going to do, uh, over this next term. And, and so Lord willing, we'll be out of here by October and on our way, we have to quarantine for 21 days in a, in a hotel room. So you pray for us. Okay. I'm glad that I get along with my wife and she gets along with me. And uh, so they don't have to worry about all these squabbles. And they're saying, I don't know what's happening in that room over there. But but I just pray that every time they come over, they just feel that when they come by that hallway, they just feel the presence of God. Amen. Just coming out of that room because uh, we're kind of forced into 21 days of seeking the Lord. And, and how many of you know that's a good thing? And I believe the Lord's going to do a uh, great thing. But I'd like to read Psalm 110. going to read from the New American Standard Bible today. And uh, you might look at this verse and think, well, how is this a a missionary uh, psalm? Well, I'm going to try to point it out to you, amen, and you might know already. But Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely at the day of your power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is where it doesn't really sound like a missionary verse very much. It said the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will will shatter the chief men over the broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We just praise you for your grace and your strength and your sufficiency, O God. Lord, I thank you for the resources, Lord, that you have poured into this church, Lord, into the people of this church, and how, Lord, that they have taken of their resources and they have given, oh God, they have blessed, Lord, this church, they have blessed the missions program, Lord, they've, Lord, given above and beyond their tithe, oh God, and Father, we just pray for blessings just to continue to return upon them, continue to supply needs, oh God, throughout this church. Lord, I pray for your word now that you would just bless it today to minister to hearts and the lives. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, Pastor Ron, sister, for inviting us and opening up the door for us to minister this morning. And so today I'd like to uh, preach uh, from this psalm, which I consider a very, very special one. And I believe influences the task of world evangelism. It's one of the most quoted psalms, actually, in the New Testament. One writer called it the crown of all psalms. It was described by Martin Luther as the one that should be overlaid with precious stones. The great English preacher Charles Spurgeon wrote in the introduction of his study on this psalm, he said, May the spirit who spoke by the man after God's own heart give us eyes to see the hidden meaning of this marvelous psalm in which every word has an infinity of meaning. And you know, when you read the psalm and you put it in the context of what we see in the New Testament as well, we see that this psalm actually covers the time from Jesus' return to heaven at his ascension until his physical second coming back to earth. And if you look at that particular time from the time that Jesus ascended back to heaven and the time that it returns in wrath and judgment upon this world, the predominant time period is what is also known as the church age. Amen? We got the great tribulation there right at the end. But it's in church age, just the time that you and I are living in today. And so my focus today is on the whole of the psalm, and I won't seek to try to cover every verse in detail uh, because I think the pastor will be looking at me and doing one of these things like, it's time to shut it down, Phil, and uh, and hopefully we won't uh, reach that point. I don't have a clock going in the back there, so maybe some of the members might be giving me that sign. I don't know. Uh, I think most members, they kind of show their 
thought, you know, by just kind of standing up and walking out the door. But don't worry, I won't judge you on that. I have a very forgetful mind, so I will forget that you walked out on the end of my sermon, okay? But uh, no, hopefully it won't go in that direction. So, but the, the gist of my message today desires to answer the question, are you willing? It says your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. In the King James Version, where I take this word from, it says they will be willing. Amen. And one of the things that we can look at in church history is that the people of God have always been willing. It's not everyone that surrendered to the full call of God for their life. But when you look at church history, you can realize that many have bowed their knee to Jesus Christ, have acknowledged him as Lord and Savior, and have made them available to made themselves available to God for his service and his purposes for their life. And so to get started, you know, every good story has to have a foil within it. In other words, an enemy, uh, a contrary character. And one of the most, the greatest enemy that we have, the most contrary character alive is Satan himself. And so going along with pastor's thought here on the spiritual warfare, my number one point, and I'm sorry I didn't prepare a PowerPoint, is that the world is a battle zone and Satan has found his willing accomplices. And so we're going to talk primarily about the people of God that are willing, but Satan has found many willing accomplices as well. When we look at our news, we can see that the spiritual powers of darkness are on the march. Amen. And the demonic hordes are arrayed in a last-day battle of deception. And uh, we can see lying spirits, lustful spirits, addicting spirits, deceptive spirits, mind-crippling spirits, body-crippling spirits, murdering spirits, greed spirits, pleasure spirits, seditious spirits. I mean, you name it, friends. There are a lot of spirits out there that are exerting their will within our society and within our world. But, you know, the majority of these spirits would not be able to operate. They would not be able to do their work unless they found willing human agent. Many of these could not operate unless there were people that gave themselves over to the powers of darkness. And when I say that, they may not be conscious of the fact that they have given themselves over the powers of darkness, but they have. They're not necessarily possessed by a spirit. You know, I lived in darkness before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. You know, I hate to say it, but in my history, I got a a history of drunkenness. As a teen, I drank alcohol. I drank beer. I drank to get drunk. I picked up the marijuana. I smoked marijuana. I tried some harder forms of drugs. And I wasn't conscious of the fact that I was being manipulated by the powers of darkness. I just saw it as something that everybody else was doing. But when I took on those things, I became an advocate for those things. One time, I enjoyed going to rock concerts as a teenager. I saw many of the greatest acts in the history of rock and roll. And one day, I I desired to go to a yes concert. I had tickets for that concert, but I didn't have a girlfriend at the time, so I didn't have a date. I looked to some of my friends. They weren't free. And so my my younger brother, two years younger than me, I said, Joe, you want to go? And of course, he hopped right on board, said, let's go. You know, he's about all of 15 or 16 years old at the most. And we went to that rock concert. But in that concert, I I always took with me some marijuana. They didn't do a search on us, and I had it. The moment the lights go dark, I lit up that marijuana. I passed it to my brother. He smoked it that day. And he told me later on after I became a Christian, he said, you know what, Phil? He said, you're the first one that gave marijuana to me. And with that was an addiction that he carried for several years in his life. He still doesn't know the Lord. I don't think he's smoking marijuana anymore. But I was the one that introduced my younger brother to marijuana smoking. And what can I say, but that I was Motivated by the powers of darkness, an unknown tool within their hands. And so when we look at this, we see the powers of darkness at work within our society. These spirits are operating in our governments, local, state, national, international, moving the tide of vent. These spirits are operating in our educational institute. They're in multiple places and all levels of society. And you know, it could be discouraging, but you know what? God has his people there as well. God has his people in operation. But we see that the tide of events is definitely going toward what we believe in the end times, a one world government, a one world power, a one world leader. 
thunder and there's these spirits are marching the last day army of evil paul said in second timothy 3 13 he said evil men and seducers shall wax worse than worse deceiving and being deceived why is this so is because people are willing instruments and the result is the world is deceived and should this surprise us no the director of their affairs is called the prince and the power of the air we got radio we got television we got internet we got print media we got all sorts of influencers that are out there today and strangely enough it just can come through one tool that we have within our pockets and within our purses depending how we use them they can be used for great good but we can see in the world they're being used for great evil in Papua New Guinea not everybody can afford to have a phone and when a young person gets the phone he's immediately the most popular person in the class because people are gathering around the phone Papua New Guinea is the number one nation in the world for consuming pornography and many of those that are seeing pornography are the youngest children within the home child molestation incest is on the rise big time in Papua New Guinea why because these spirits are at work these powers of darkness are pulling down the nation and destroying the fiber of it friends I want to tell you Paul said that the mystery of iniquity is already at work there's going to be an eventual and total success that is going to be there there someday when the antichrist kingdom emerges paul described it like this in second timothy chapter sorry second thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 i'll jump back to verse 8 he said then that lawless one will be revealed whom the lord with his breath of his mouth will bring to an end by the appearance of his coming at sorry I can't read very well. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs of wonders, and with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth and be saved. And so we see the world is pushing toward this one world kingdom of darkness. And you know, if you looked at it, you would can be really very discouraged, just like Pastor was saying this morning. You know, Things are happening here on earth, but we've got to get a picture of what's happening on the other side. Amen. And that's why Psalm 110 is so encouraging. And my second point this morning is that it would be dark, but be encouraged. There is hope. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are active in this world. Amen. And when you look at Psalm 110, verse 1, David hears the Lord. He said, the Lord says to my Lord. And so here, the earthly affairs are moving forward. Things are happening. But can I tell you that the Trinity is still in discussion and that they have all of this under control? Amen. We know from the New Testament record that this is the Father talking to his Son. Jesus quoted his verses very often to the Jewish people to point out that he was preexistent with his Father. And both of them, David calls them, my Lord. And in a sense, we see the Father talking to the Son. And the thing that is so brilliant about this to me is the fact that David was given the privilege to listen in on a conversation from heaven. Amen. Can you imagine that being in your prayer closet, just seeking the Lord one day, and all of a sudden you just feel the presence of God come down, and you hear a voice speak. And not only is that voice speaking, but you realize that voice isn't speaking to me, but it's speaking to another entity. Amen. And so David is sharing what the Father is speaking to the Son in Psalms 110. And man, I imagine when David heard heard that he said wow this is good you know david wrote a lot of stuff and we know from the new testament record that he was carried along by the holy spirit inspired by god to write that record but in this record he's saying this was an actual conversation that he heard in heaven the father talking to the son and he's listening in on that conversation and he said this is so good i gotta write it down amen and oh thank god the holy spirit said yes david write this down because it's not just for you but it's for all of my people to be read and to be encouraged from now you realize that god doesn't let those writers write down everything one time saw john in the book of revelation he heard a voice and it thundered and he was getting ready to write that down and all of a sudden the lord said no don't write that down that's for only the people that are going to be there in that particular day and hour to hear it but you're not going to have a pre-revelation of that now i'm 
hopeful that I'm out of here in the rapture. I'm still kind of a pre-tribulation guy. A lot of times I joke around, you know, that I believe the rapture is going to be according to your belief. If you're a pre-trib, you're going to go out pre-trib. If you're mid-trib, you're going to go out mid-trib. If you're a post-trib, you're going to be here till the end. Well, I don't really believe that. But anyhow, amen. But there will be a rapture someday. Amen. And I believe it's going to happen soon. I believe that we're close to the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's why God is still looking for willing people who are willing to surrender to the full will of God for their life and move forward in the things of God. And here David is listening on the conversation. This is good. I've got to write it down. And he gives us Psalms 110. And so what David passed on was given to us by permission of the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at what David passed on to us through the word of the Lord. And so in Psalms 110, it said, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, I did that with my left hand, but that was your right side. So I better do it this way. Amen. Sit down on my right hand. Amen. And so God's plans, friend, is to bring the enemies of God into subjection, either willingly or unwillingly. All will eventually bow their knees. And the father says to the son, sit here until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And so I like to call this Operation Footstool. Amen. Oh, God has told the son, sit thou here upon my right hand. And I'm going to go about doing a work for you until I'm going to bring all of your enemies into subjection. And they're going to be like a footstool for you. Amen. And so things begin to move in that direction. And so we see one of the father's first directives to the son on his return was to sit on his right hand. Amen. Isn't that incredible? I, I like to get a picture of that pastor where here Jesus dies upon the cross. He rises again. He's with his disciples for 40 days. And then the ascension takes place. And where is he going? He's going back to the Father in heaven. Don't you think that the angels of heaven were just lined up there watching the Son of God return? I don't know if he came through the pearly gates. I'm not exactly sure how he made his arrival. But there was excitement in heaven. And when the Father saw his Son, hallelujah, and we know the Father can see his Son at all times. Amen. He's the eternal God that knows all things but I want to tell you there's also a locality that we have and when he realized my son is taking his locality with me once again he said son come on up here sit down upon this throne upon my right hand amen hallelujah oh Charles Spurgeon wrote of this event he said his work is done and he may sit it is well done, and he may sit on his right hand. It will have grand results, and he may quietly wait to see the complete victory, which is certain to follow. Amen. I add to this, what work is done? Calvary, the cross, the blood, the victory over darkness, the price paid for the sins of lost men, women, and children, salvation, deliverance from sin, an open door to the holy of holies for all who call upon the name of the Lord. Oh, friends, can I tell you, as a former believer in the mass where we celebrated the death of Jesus Christ every week within that belief system, actually putting him to death once again. But I can tell you, friend, that as a Pentecostal, I realize now that the work of God is completed. Jesus doesn't have to go to cross week after week. The price has already been paid for sin. Amen. The writer of Hebrews said, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made a footstool for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified hallelujah and so here there was excitement in the house and the father has the son sit down on his right hand why because the father has this all under control for how long should he sit the scripture says till i make your enemies your footstool how is this process carried out well that'll be discussed as we look in the following verses that come up here in verse two it says the lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from zion saying Rule in the midst of your enemies. And so God, friends, is operating out of heavenly Zion, giving direction to the church, moving them forward out 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we speak of Zion, oftentimes it's symbolic of earthly Jerusalem. Sometimes it's symbolic of heavenly Jerusalem. But I believe both work here because it's often what happens in heaven is what takes place in earth. You remember when Jesus did his ministry, what did he say? He said, I don't do anything of myself, but what I see the Father doing, what I see my Father saying, that's what I also do. That's what I also say. And really that's the importance of prayer, friends, is that we can get in sync with what God is doing and then move our ministry, move our lives, move our witness, move everything about us in the direction of the will of God. Amen. And so the father tells the son to sit because things are happening in Zion. Directions are being given. Amen. Hallelujah. And God's desire is the continued advancement of the kingdom of God into the hearts of men. The son sits because the father has another agency to do the work. The church of the living God filled up and enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see in verse two here, it says, it says the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion saying hallelujah. And so in a sense, we can say the scepter is moving. Amen. Can you think about that? The scepter is moving. Jesus's power, Jesus's authority, all these things that he gave to the church in a sense was placed in the hands of the spirit of God who moved into those early disciples. Amen. And that scepter began to move from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, pushing out today by the willing who said, yes, Lord, I want to carry that scepter. The King James calls it the rod of thy strength. Amen. How can the scepter move without the son? He's sitting on the throne. How I ask you, because the Godhead is not just the Lord said unto my Lord, but it is the Lord said unto my Lord. And those two lords spoke to the third Lord, the Holy Spirit. You remember Jesus said, I have to go away. He said, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he will be in you. But he can't come and he can't do that until I go back to my father. And when he went back to the father, when he completed that work of salvation, the door was now open for the spirit to come. Amen. To fill the church, to fill us as an individual believer, to move us out with the word of God. And so the scepter is moving. How I ask you, because the Holy Spirit is moving the church out with the word of God. Hallelujah. The Lord sent his Holy Spirit to the church. You know, in Psalm 22, David wrote this. He said, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the family of the nation shall worship before you. And you know, when the psalmist wrote that, I don't think he had any idea how that was going to happen. Oh, but when we come to the New Testament record and when we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we need to see that church moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ, still moving forward to this day. And now we could say, that truly many of the families of the earth are already worshiping before the Lord. You saw it in that video, those women dancing and singing. Why? Because salvation had come to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. It started at Pentecost and it continues to today. A willing group of people that said, I am willing. 120 said, I am willing on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached and 3,000 people said, I am willing. Acts is a record of people saying, I am willing. Willing to bear the scepter of the rule of Christ to the hearts of men. Philip said, I am willing and took the gospel to the Samaritan. Peter said, I'm willing and took the gospel to the Gentiles. Oh, you remember Remember, Peter had that vision. Three times God lowered that sheet down. Unclean animals told him, rise up and eat. And Peter said, I've never eaten unclean thing. Oh, but God said, what I've claimed, don't you call unclean. Amen. And then those men came to the the gate and the Holy Spirit said, go with them for I have sent them. And Peter approached the house of that Gentile. Oh, and the Jews would never cross the threshold to go into the house of the Gentile. But the spirit of the Lord said, I have sent them. Do what I've called you to do. And he crossed into that threshold and there was a people ready to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He didn't even get to give an altar call, but those people reached out in faith even as they were sitting there and all of a sudden they were spilled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. I want to tell you something, friends. When God finds the willing, things are going to happen in this earth. Amen. 
and church history is a testimony of people who said, I am willing. They counted the cost and said, yes, Lord, I'm bowing my knee and saying yes to you. We're in Papua New Guinea because it was 78. I was praying in an altar of an Assembly of God church on a Sunday night after a preaching, and the Lord just said two words into my spirit, and those two words were New Guinea, and I knew God and instantly called me to be a missionary. And friends, I want to tell you, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, and I'm standing before a church of people. You have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. All of us aren't called to go to New Guinea or other parts of the world. You are faithfully serving God here in Oak Grove and I salute you. Amen. Friend, God is just looking for willingness. Just like Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. Send me. I want to do what you've called me to do. Amen. I read the story of a missionary. I love reading missionary biographies. And here was a young man. He was working for the United States government. He wasn't even saved yet. And he went to Japan to work before World War II. And he was just working in a government office, couldn't find a place to sleep. Apartments were very expensive. But there was a missionary who said, hey, I got an extra room. And how do you know? How many of you know if you're a missionary, you'll want to tell people about Jesus? Amen. And that missionary began to share Jesus with this young man. And he got saved. Amen. He went to Japan unsaved, but got saved there. And one day he was just praying and seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, all of a sudden, it felt like a voice from heaven said, Japan until Jesus come. In other words, I want you to be a missionary right here. Amen. And he was faithful to serve God all of his days. Oh, friends. Hallelujah. God is looking for the willing. And our message in the spirit is what this psalm says. Because, again, I'm talking about the church age. And what it says is rule. In the midst of your enemies. Rule in the midst of your enemies. How many of you know before we knew Christ as Lord and Savior, we were the enemies of God? We didn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And as I, being a drunkard, I, being a marijuana smoker, I, just being a sinner in general, was an enemy of God. But how many of you know that God likes to go about making the enemies his friend? And so the beauty of God's program is God takes the enemy and makes them his friend. We come under Christ's feet as a part of his footstool subject to the eternal God. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Amen. How many of you, when you look in the mirror, have ever said to yourself, you are holy, you are unblameable, you are unreprovable. I mean, most of us would kind of just kind of feel guilty kind of saying that because kind of I know the facts. Amen. Oh, but can I tell you, when God looks at us, he's looking at holy. He's looking at blameless. He's looking at unreprovable. Now, as a father chastens his son, Yes, sometimes those dark things come up. The old man kind of kicks in. Hallelujah. But thank God for the Spirit of God who helps us to get those things out of our life and send them off in another direction. Because no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God with a way will make a way of escape. I'm hurrying to the end of this message. Amen. Oh, but friends, we are carrying forth that scepter of Jesus Christ, taking the rule of God to the hearts of men. Amen. He has called us to be scepter bearers. Sometimes I joke around and say, that ring bearer has nothing on us. Amen. Amen. And besides that ring, I mean, that was a symbol of evil. But that scepter is a symbol of Christ's righteousness. And we're carrying it to a world to help them to know they are sinners. But there is a remedy for their sin. And all they have to do is trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we're functioning in society, holding forth the will of uh, the words of life will all listen and heed. No, but our mission is still that of proclamation. The program has not changed. The strategy is still to reach the unreached, to love the unloved, to see the enemies of God become the friends of God. Amen. And so number four point to finish out this task, it's going to require a last day army of volunteers that say, I am willing. Can I tell you in church history, 
Many have volunteered, but I believe that God is really getting ready to shake things up in these last days. You remember reading in the scripture that all things will be shaken. Amen. And I believe that salt shaker is beginning to move. That shaking of the earth is taking place. But in the midst of it, like brother, brother Pastor Ron told us today, oh friends, we can look at earth and we can see all the things that are happening here. But the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they are active in this world. They they are getting the church ready for the last day harvest. It said your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. And notice that the army is called your people. We are God's people. And they're going to volunteer freely and give themselves over to the Lord. You see, this is a volunteer operation. We're not in it for the money. We're not in it for the benefits. We're not in it for the acclamation. But we're in it for one primary reason, love. A love response to the Lord that says, I am willing. Amen. Willing to forsake earthly comforts, you know. You know, sometimes it's a challenge being overseas. Oh, there's a, a house that we have. Thankfully, it has indoor plumbing. But, you know, sometimes we have to travel out, and it's outdoor plumbing. Amen. And most of the time, it's uh, an outhouse. And can you believe that the people of Papua New Guinea, sometimes they are so gracious that when we go to a village to preach, and it may be only for two days, they have dug a brand-new outhouse for the missionary, which they set a rope in front of it, said nobody can use this until after the missionary leaves. And that's very, very gracious, but that doesn't happen very often, and we wouldn't expect them to do that. But you know, there was one time I was in one of those houses and, and I was just kind of complaining to the Lord a little bit. You know, I was kind of pers- forgetting Pastor Ron that I was forsaking earthly comfort and I was kind of complaining to the Lord. And you know, sometimes the Lord just speaks in a still small voice and I heard a still small voice that said, what are you complaining about? I did it for 33 years. And it hit me, you know, that the Lord probably didn't have indoor plumbing either at his house. Can I tell you something, friends? We got to forsake earthly comfort and be willing to give our all for Jesus Christ. Oh, many people will say no to the personal invitation of Christ, but we have a responsibility to go. You know, some of the earliest missionaries to Papua New Guinea took place when the whole island was known as New Guinea. And, you know, uh, there was a great missionary by the name of, uh, his name just played John William. And uh, he went in the 1800s taking the gospel to the Pacific. And he ended up kind of near Samoa, an area called Raritong and places like that. And he preached Jesus and those people got saved. But you know what? He also preached missions right away. You know, sometimes churches go into a new place and they think, oh, they can't do it yet. We got to keep doing it. But you know, John Williams didn't have that philosophy. He thought what I can do, they can do. And they don't need to wait. We'll get them disciples. We'll get them trained. We'll get them knowing the word of God. But as soon as they're ready, they're out of here. And, you know, he didn't have to tell them to do it. They realized there's all these heathen in the South Pacific. There's all these cannibals in the South Pacific. They need to know Jesus, too. And, you know, we have these great canoes. You know, they're real small. and People go out and fishing. But the same concept of that small canoe they have in the Pacific, they also have these large canoes. They call them deep-sea canoes where they could literally travel and ply their trade within the Pacific. But now they were going to take Jesus on those canoes. Amen. And one of the groups that reached Papua New Guinea for the first time were Samoan believers. We recently went to the Samoan District Council, and and, uh, we went there and got to share about our missionary desire. But before the superintendent introduced us to that district council, he said, I want to tell you people, and this is all Samoan believers out in this congregation. He said, these people are missionaries to New Guinea. 67 Samoans gave their life for Jesus Christ in taking the gospel to Papua New Guinea back in the 1800s. He was challenging his people and saying, we need a fresh movement of Samoan missionary to take the gospel to the Pacific. I believe in Papua New Guinea that we are going to receive many missionaries out of the Samoan District Council of the Assemblies of God located here in the United States of America. Amen. God is doing exciting things. But, you know, they asked one of those early missionaries when he came back from doing his mission work. They said, weren't you afraid you were going to die? He said, oh, no, we died before we left. Amen. And that was his concept. You know, I always remind people, you know, we like to quote that verse in Romans chapter 8, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. You know, there's all sorts of words of encouragement, but smack dab right in the middle of that is a verse that we kind of don't like. It said, we are accounted as sheep. For the slaughter. Wow. 
And that comes out of the Psalms in the Old Testament. And it's like, whoa, 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 Lord, you just said nothing's going to separate me from your love. And God is saying, no, nothing, not even martyrdom is going to separate you from my love. Amen. Hallelujah. God has his right to use our lives the way he wants to use it. Amen. And when this army is on the move, and I'm close to closing because I'm just going to jump over these last points real quick. But it says in verse 3, it said, in holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth art you as the dew. Now, if you read and study this verse, you'll find out that the Hebrew translators have a lot of difficulty with this verse. But I feel in the context, because you can look in the King James, you can look in the New American, and you'll see different ways that they say it. But I think the context is saying this willing army is coming to the Lord and they're going to be youthful. And not only are they youthful, but they're going to come to the Lord like the dew of the morning. Amen. In my backyard every day, I don't care how hot it is, but for whatever reason, my backyard sits in a place where it's got dew on it every morning. I mean, it's solid all across there. I mean, there's no uh, Gideon-type phenomena at all, you know, where this patch is empty. It's all covered. But I think about that. I look at it and realize, wow, God is going to have a willing army that's going to be like this dew laying before him in subjection and saying, here am I, Lord, send me. And we're seeing it happen. You know, you looked at that video. What is God doing? I mean, he looks at a 62-year-old guy over there, You know, we've been at it for over 25 years, and he's saying, I need to get some youth over there. That Rojack guy, I mean, he's not doing it very well. Well, maybe I'm doing it all right, amen. Sometimes I have a a poor misconception of my work. But maybe he said he can't do it all. I've got to send some young ones, amen. I had a heart attack a couple years ago, and so I don't relish the thought of going over one mountain, climbing up another mountain. And when I talk about climbing mountains in the Pacific, you know, it's not just this gentle slope. Brother Webby talked about one time going up a mountain where he was literally going up sideways, and he began so faint he had fell backwards, and fortunately there was a tree sticking out, you know, kind of like one of the Beetle Bailey phenomena where Sarge always falls off the cliff and he's hanging on there, you know. That's what Brother Webb was doing and taking the gospel, and he was a young guy. And so, yes, we need more young people, people that are willing. We need 23 more missionary families in Papua New Guinea. Oh, we don't care if you fit those five categories or not. If you can swing a hammer or do something, we'll find something for you to do. Hallelujah. But God is looking for this army, a revelatory group of his power that are going to be arrayed in the holy garments of God. And you might be saying, I can't do it, Brother Rill. I can't do it. But look at verse 4. It said, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. And so he tells the son to sit down, not in a way like we would tell our kids to sit down. He did it proudly. He said, son, sit down. Oh, but then in a sense, Jesus said, no, Father, uh, that's great. I'll do that for a little while. But you know what? I've got another role to take on in verse 4. It said, you are a priest forever, according to Melchizedek. Amen. So here the Son of God has taken on an eternal priesthood is what the writers of Hebrews says. And what is he praying about? He's praying about his church. He's praying about you when you're full of doubt, full of fear, and wondering if you could even say yes to the call of God. The Son of God is praying there before his Father, saying, Father, you see their heart, their spirit, you see their willingness, but, Lord, they're a little bit fearful. Can you just bring them over the hump? Just bring them to that place of trust where they can just bow their knee and say like Isaiah, and say, here am I, Lord. Send me. I'm not worried about what the result is going to be. Can I tell you that Jesus is still praying for his church? He's praying for us to continue to be that marching army, taking the scepter. Why? Because, friends, as you look at these last verses, there's an urgency about the task. Jesus is coming. God's wrath is going to be outpoured. And before his wrath is outpoured, I believe that there are more souls to be brought into the kingdom of God. And we have to be the willing scepter bearers to take the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors to our friends, to our families, and if indeed the Lord calls us to the ends of the earth. And if you're one of those willing ones today, I just want you to stand up with me and acknowledge God, I am willing. Amen. And I'm going to say a prayer and turn it back over to pastor. But if you're one of those willing ones, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm not going to watch to see who stands and who doesn't stand. But I believe that every one of us as born again Christians to say, yes, Lord, I am willing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you, God, for the willing army, God. Lord, an army that you are raising up as the dew of the morning, oh God. We know, God, that the powers of darkness, Lord, that foil that I talked about, Lord, at the beginning of this message, oh God, 
We know that they were there at the crucifixion of Christ, thinking that they had extinguished the light of the world, that they had dealt with the problem that they had on hand, not realizing, Lord, when they put you upon that cross, that the very plans of God were fulfilled, that redemption would be purchased for lost humanity, and that out of the peoples of the world that you would gather a people for yourself. These that have been enemies have suddenly become your friends, O God. And so, Lord, we know great work has been done over the last 2,000 years. Lord, you have built your church just as you have promised. But, Lord, we think and believe that you want to build that church even larger, O God. So, God, I pray if there has been a hesitancy within our step. Lord, if we like the individual in the book of Hebrews where he said, let that which is lame be turned aside. Father, I pray that we would all find healing today in the blood and the sanctification of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we can stand strong as a servant of God and say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Lord, bless your church. Bless your willing scepter bearers. Let there be fruit unto the harvest. God, let those who are enemies Become the friends of God. And Lord, we'll just thank you for your work. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you today.